TK. I'm your host, Tristan Cannell. Episode 36, we're going to be chatting to three great athletes of the past and present of Australian sport. We're going to be at a bit of a roundup, starting with Brendan Sansalab from the Western Sydney Wanderers. He's a striker, he's the super sub. He'll be joining us to preview their big derby clash against Sydney FC this Saturday at Allianz Stadium. Bathurst 1000. 2017 champ, Luke Yorden, who won the race a couple of weekends ago with our main man, Dave Reynolds. He'll be joining us to chat a little bit about exactly what happened on the day and life after being the Bathurst 1000 champ. I'm really excited. If I wasn't excited to chat to the first two boys, really excited to get one of my childhood heroes in Steve Waugh coming on the program as well. Steve, you know, obviously no introduction needed, one of the greatest Australian cricketers of all time. He'll be joining me on the line from Brisbane. He is currently promoting his his captain's ride, which is the Steve Waugh Steve War Foundation next big event, which will be in November. I have all the details on how you can contribute to such a great cause in the show notes, so make sure you check it out, www.talkingwithtk.com forward slash ep36. We'll have all the details exactly how you can contribute to worthy causes, really tackling a problem that is very unique out there. It's for children with rare diseases. So can you imagine having a child or being a child yourself and not knowing exactly what's wrong with you? So he's really supporting all the families out there. And the numbers are actually quite quite lengthy too. You'll be surprised how many people are actually affected. Just looking through my numbers now, having a look from what it actually is. I think it was something like 500,000 or so. So numbers of kids that actually are affected are quite huge. So please show a bit of heart and donate something to the Steve Fork Foundation, which you can find at www.stevewarfoundation.com. Like I said, all those notes will be in the show notes. Just a big thank you to everyone tuning into the show, leaving me messages of support, whether it's on you know, the social medias, you can connect with me. I'm talking with TK on Facebook or Twitter. My personal account's on there as well. Tristan Cannell, spelled K-apostrophe-N-E-L-L. Tristan Cannell on Instagram. So please tag me on any posts and share with it, share the episodes with your family and friends that you think will enjoy it too. Helps me grow more and reach more people. So I really appreciate anyone that could do that. I really hope you enjoyed the last episode with big wave surfer Mark Matthews. I thought it was one of the best ones that I've kind of brought to the table so far. It was one of those in-person ones. It's very personal, and Mark brought so much to the table. So if you haven't yet, please check out that episode. In the coming weeks, we're going to have a lot of different sort of, well, I want to really delve into that sort of mental health and also creating both a brand 
and also exploring different ventures outside of sports. So I'll be interviewing a lot of former athletes, just exactly how they transition from sport back into whether it was the corporate world or setting up businesses, whatever they're doing now. It's just really intrigued me how they can actually make that step. Also be having with the A-League continuing on. We have plenty of A-League players coming on. Hopefully we get a couple of Socceroos on as well with their big clash with Honduras in December. And then with Ashes coming up, of course, the Big Ash series, Ashes series, I'm sure that we'll have plenty of the cricket boys coming on the program as well. But if you want to get in touch with me directly, email is Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. Like I said, you can subscribe to the show via iTunes or Stitcher, or please visit the website. There is a player on there if you can't connect to either of those. It's www.TalkingWithTK.com. But let's get straight to it. Our first guest today, he is the super sub. He's also, well, last year he started a lot of games, scoring a lot of goals. And on the line now is Western Sydney Wanderers star striker, Brendan Sandalab. Brendan, how are you going, buddy? Good, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you, buds. Mate, really appreciate you joining me on the show today, mate. And congratulations, mate, on 100 games over the weekend. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's been... uh been a good journey in the A-League so far, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm happy and uh, yeah, can't wait for the weekend, of course, but uh, yeah, both, uh, all my games have been with Sydney FC and the Wanderers. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, come Derby time, you know, you just, you, you said it yourself, you know, you can't wait for the weekend. What is it about yeah. the Sydney Derby, like, because I go to the Sydney Derby all the time and having gone to games yeah. over in England... It's just mm. similar atmosphere. I remember last year, the only game they lost in the FC were to you guys, and you scored the goal. What is mm. it about it? It's just an equalising game, isn't it? And it just both teams just go hammer and tongs. Yeah, and it's um, there's a real rivalry that's been built up between between us, uh, which is you know fantastic for Australian football that we can put on. Um, a spectacle in Sydney um, that all sports um, would look up to. So um, it's just a great occasion. The passion, the, the atmosphere that the fans create, um, it really is something special. And um, if, you, if you haven't been before, I, I recommend that um, uh, people um, try whatever they can to, to be at the game. Yeah, just having a look at Sydney FC, Brendan, compared to last year, you know, obviously they only lost one game. They bring in, mm. they, they lose players, and they just look like they've upgraded their team, as you guys have as well. Mm-hmm. But in terms mm-hmm. of looking at them on paper and just, you know, I'm sure you guys do a lot of video work, where are you seeing their main yep. strengths, bud? Yeah, look, uh, up front, um, they've, they've got a number of options up front um, attacking and that's where they're dangerous in the, in the final third and um, you know you got Brosk and Ninkovic um, Bobo so there's there's definitely um, you know a lot of attacking flair with Sydney um, and over the last couple of years they've always been dangerous going forward and um, it's about it's about pinning their, their uh, big players up front um, and restricting them to time on the ball, and and um, you know you, you've got a good chance against Sydney should you do that. Yeah, Brennan, the start of the season, mate. We've seen you come off the bench just for a few minutes in each game. In mm-hmm. terms of your role this year, before with Popper mm-hmm. leaving, and now with obviously Hayden Fox taking over in the interim, 
Have they had a chance to chat mm. to you about exactly what they want out of you this year? Yeah, no, we, we haven't. Um, nothing's been discussed, um, and I've just been getting on with with the job um, and, and training um, how, how I've been over the last um, four to five years uh, at the club. And um, obviously, with Foxy being an interim now, um, obviously he has different vision and um, that's... Uh, you know, I can't I can't change um, how many minutes I play, but what I can control is how I train um, and make sure that my body's uh, good and ready to go week in week out, um, so that when I'm called upon, um, I'm 100% ready. Um, so, yeah, look, uh, things are a bit up in the air at the moment with the with the coaching role at the club. Um, and we don't know what's going to happen there. Could be, could be Hayden taking over full time. Um, but in regards to, to minutes played so far, um, obviously I, I would have liked to have played a little bit more. But um, um, you know, I respect the coach's decision um, at the current current time, and um, I'm ready to play whenever needed. So, yeah. Just from the outside looking in, though, Brennan, it must be in a, a better position for yourself because over the last couple of years, I think there was a heavy reliance on you to score goals. Just mm. with the imports coming yeah. in this year, does it feel like you've got that weight of pressure taken off your shoulders a little bit? Yeah, we've had a little bit of bad luck, um, if, you, if that's what you call it, over the last couple of years um, in terms of a, a strike partner uh, with me up front that just hasn't seem to work out and um, you know Oriol's come in and done an exceptional job and um, you know two goals in two games to start off with um, you know it's great to uh, partner up with someone like Oriol who's, who's scoring and playing well um, because uh, you know obviously uh, football's a pressure game and um, when I come on and and the jobs are pretty much half done. It makes things a lot easier. Um, and you know, so far this season we've we've been um, we've been really good up front um, and scored four goals in in two games, um, which is a huge improvement for us uh, from previous years. And obviously, our great start to the season as well um, compared to other years. Um, is um, you know a credit to to uh, to the boys who have started so far, and Oriel's starting at the moment and doing a great job. So you know it's great for me, great for the team and, and the club. Yeah, your depth's very impressive when you consider that yourself mm. and Mark Bridge, Brendan Hamill, you're all on the bench at the moment. Then you've mm. got guys behind that, Jonathan mm. Aspro and uh, young fellow that plays on the left wing, uh, Jack Clisby. And mm-hmm. Lachlan Scott, they're not even in the the team yeah. or the reserves. Do you think? Do you think that's a yeah. major contributor to you guys being contenders this year? Just the depth in the squad. Yeah, definitely, and I, I think that's the recipe for success. You know, you need to have depth in your squad, and um, this season, I, I feel it's the strongest squad the club has ever had uh, from its inception six years ago. So, um, you know. We, we definitely um, got the squad to, to go all the way this season. Um, and, you know, obviously the departure of Popper um, wasn't wasn't ideal, but that's football. And I think uh, when we look around at each other, we 
we realise um, how good of a squad we have and and there's definitely confidence and a lot of experience there too. So um, I feel that that will help us um, move forward uh, past what's happened over the last um, couple of weeks with the departure of Popper. And, um, you know, the Central Coast was a little bit of a hiccup for us and we were uh, disappointed after the game. It, it felt like a loss to us, um, mm-hmm. which is... Which is a, a huge positive um, because we set high expectations, and you know when you come off uh, with a draw and you you feel as though it's a loss, um, that just shows what we're aiming for and, and where we want to be. Yeah, you mentioned Popper leaving a couple of times now. How did you actually find out that he was leaving? Uh, so it was a bit of a shock to everybody, actually. So. Um, the opportunity um, I heard came up really quick, and there was um, there was not much time uh, for players to be alerted. And I found out on the internet. I just had a message from a friend saying, "Have you seen the oh, internet?" Really? <laughs> um, yeah. So um, yeah, it was it was a big shock to us all, um, and you know things happen very quickly in football sometimes, and um, this seems to be the case with. Um, uh, Popper's opportunity over in Turkey, and uh, you know it was it was a tough week, a very tough week, um, because Popper obviously was instrumental um, in all the club's success from from day one, and um, to lose such a a role model, and you know obviously in a, an incredible um, coach and manager, um, it, it's it's going to hurt and. Um, it's important that we we try and move on as quickly as possible and and get on with the job. Yeah, Brennan, was that the first time in your whole career that a coach has been lost this close to the start of the season? Uh, yes, yeah, I've never never had a situation like this before. Uh, a week out and and uh, definitely strange, um, and uh, <laughs> yeah. I think a, a rare a rare situation. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, as a as a playing group, um, no one wants to lose their manager a week before the start of the season. But I, um, it's a, a credit to the group for the resilience and the character that we've shown over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, after losing, we we lost Tony, but we also lost our assistant coach and goalkeeper coach as well. So um, it was a bit of a blow and. Um, you know, the boys have been outstanding. Their character and attitude um, has been fantastic. So it's, yeah, a joy to be a part of this group and, and see how strong we really are. Yeah. With the potential, you know, we've got the derby on Saturday, Brennan, but there's also the potential that we we could also see the first ever FFA Cup derby <laughs> as well if you guys get past Adelaide. Yeah. In terms of that, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing that ever happen, has happened to kind of Australian soccer in a long, long time, if that does actually eventuate? Well, well, look, uh, I think the next big, biggest thing is a, is a, a Sydney Derby, Derby grand final. Um, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, first comes the SFA Cup, and I think it's, uh, you know, potentially the biggest um, domestic, um, um, you know, game uh, within Australia uh, being an FFA Cup final, so we've got one hurdle uh, to jump with Adelaide, and 
um, you know, what a great spectacle it would be um, to have an FFA Cup final uh, with yeah, Sydney sick, um, yeah. in, a, in a packed stadium once again. Uh, we always seem to to put on a great show for the fans and um, and they love it, of course, and the atmosphere they create is, is second to none in Australia. Um, so, you know, to, to both sets of fans, it's... Um, we, you know, we have to thank them for the show that they put on as well. Yeah. Brennan, the RBB, in terms of the influence they have on team performance compared to other clubs mm. that you've been at, how much influence do mm. they have? Oh, they're a massive influence. Um, they give you energy as soon as you run out onto the pitch um, and they start singing and um, they don't stop for 90 minutes there. They're, they're the best support group in Australia um, and, you know, they'll only continue to grow bigger and bigger um, and we're, we're very lucky as a club to, to have them. Um, and, yeah, look, the feeling um, <laughs> running out in front of the RBB is, uh, is hard to explain but um, they definitely uh, give the team energy and um, when times are tough at during the game and, and you hear them, um, they, they seem to give us a lift when, um, when most needed. So yeah, they're, they're a valuable um, asset to our club, um, even though they're in the stands and, and um, they can't control really what we do on the pitch. But um, yeah, it's, it's incredible having them with us. Brendan, a couple of personality ones just to fit, wrap things up, mate. I love your aggressive style of play. I love it when you go after <laughs> defenders, even if you cop a yellow card. I love it, mate. Where did that come from? Was it from an idol? Was it from one of your cousins' parents? How did that happen, mate? No, it's uh, actually been in me from a kid. Um, from when I was young, I've always been an aggressive player. Um, and I received... Um, quite a few yellow cards when I was um, a kid as well. So <laughs> it's just um, something that's a part of my game and um, I'm very passionate and I, I love, you know, every single minute that I play and uh, every single second, in fact. Um, and, uh, you know, playing in front of crowds and and, and the RBB, um, you know, for me it's, those are things I dreamed of when I was a kid, and to be actually doing that now, um, I make sure I don't waste a second on the pitch. And um, it's you know, there's all good intention while I'm out there, and uh, the mindset is to win, and that that's um, that's as simple as that. There's never any intent um, to to bring the game into into disrepute or hurt anyone. But unfortunately, with the way that I play, um, <laughs> at times that's happened, and. Um, you know that's football, but I just I just love when I'm out there and and I give a hundred percent. Yeah, Santa, why do you wear the number eleven? Oh, the eleven. Um, well, I mean, I was eleven at Sydney FC, and um, when I was there, and when I joined the Wanderers, um, Papa gave me the eleven again. So I uh, <laughs> I've just stuck with that for for my whole A League career. So, um, yeah, there wasn't any much dropping and changing with the number, and um, I'm fairly in love with it. So um, hopefully uh, it'll be, it'll stay 11 till the end of my career. Santa, what are the Cove like with you now? Um, I've really 
haven't had any issues um, with the with the Sydney supporters at all. Um, since I left the club, uh, there's been no drama. I've had um, I had great memories. I have great memories from my time at Sydney FC, um, and and was um, you know liked by the fans there. And um, I, I don't see an issue um, between me and the cove at all. So you know I think what they do for their football club is is outstanding and. Um, and then we have the RBB. So when you put the two together, I think it's, um, you know, it's brilliant. And uh, yeah, I just hope that the red and black outnumber the sky blues. That's all in the grandstand. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last question, Brennan. Do you have any superstitions? Um, yeah, it's, um, for me, uh, it's, it's quite a simple one. It's uh, my preparation during the week. Um I'm very strict on the way I prepare for games, and and uh, if I don't feel that I've I've prepared um, in the right way, um, whatever that may be, um, I, I feel as though my performance on the weekend is um, is not going to be the best it possibly can be. So I make sure week in week out that my preparations are um, uh, the best they can possibly be. Um, giving myself the opportunity to perform um, at my best. So no, no real superstitions. But if that's one, it's uh, it's just, just prep. my preparation. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Brendan, all the best of luck for Saturday's game against Sydney at Allianz Stadium on Saturday night at seven fifty. Before I let you leave, if anyone wants to follow online, Brendan's on Twitter. He's at B Santa Lab. Brendan. Thanks again for stopping by the show, mate, and all the best for the rest of the season, my man. Thanks a lot, Tristan. Cheers, mate. And that, guys, was Brendan Sandlab. So, you know, if you're well into your soccer, if you even haven't, if you have not been to a soccer game, please get out to a derby. The first one is actually at Allianz Stadium this Saturday, 7.45 kickoff. Plenty of tickets. Oh, well, sorry, not many tickets available. So get there fast. I know they've just released tickets to the second one. I just picked up my tickets. I think it's December... Second weekend in December, get your tickets fast, but it's going to be an intriguing clash. Wouldn't surprise me. You know, both teams have started pretty quickly. Sydney FC, uh, two from two. We've got Western Sydney Wanderers. They've won one and drawn one, both in the A-League. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see a one-one draw for the public. But uh, they could also be clashing, like we did mention, in the FFA Cup. And if that happens, I think that really will put a really... Big Mark. We've got on the show, we've got Luke Yulden. Luke is the 2017 Bathurst 1000 champion. He won that a couple weekends ago with my great mate Dave Reynolds. So it's going to be great to get him on. And he joins us on the line now. Luke, how you going, buddy? Good, man. How are you? Good, mate. How's your day? Uh, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Yeah, just... Uh... Actually, back to reality, mate, working. So. <laughs> a Bathurst winner. Back to work, buddy. Yeah, thanks, mate. I, I tell you what, I still can't get used to that yet, but uh, it's growing on me. I was going to ask you about it. It's about a week. It's getting on a week now. Has it sunk in, the fact that you're the champ? Yes and no. Like, it's, it's been, uh, been such a massive week. There's so much media around it. You know, it's... it's uh, I always knew it was a big race to win, but far out, I didn't know it was this big, you know what I mean, until the, until the media commitments, like Dave and I have been flat out all week, but uh, 
today I'm back to reality. I'm actually sitting in a Porsche GT3 RS as we speak, driving back from uh, from a day's work at Queensland Raceway. So, um, yeah, no, no rest for the wicked. But I'm, I'm kind of wishing that the next race is not next week. I'm, I'm sort of wishing that the next race wasn't until next year so I could soak up a bit longer. Yeah. How does it work, Lou? Because you switched to part-time driving this year, right? No, I've been an endurance driver now for, for a long time. Like, um, it's been a it's been a good uh, almost ten years where I haven't really done anything else but just the enduros. So, um, but last last year I was with, with DJR Team Penske and that didn't work out for us. And lucky enough, ended up at Erebus uh, with Dave. And then, tell you what, Matter could be happier. Yeah, but it's one of those things that. Yeah. It's kind of been building because having a look at your Bathurst 1000 record, even you know you started back in the year 2000, so you got plenty of experience up your belt. But you had a third in 2003, a fourth in 2006, even the last two years with Fabian, you came fourth and sixth. So it's kind of what is it about the endurance races that just kind of suits you? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's funny, that place. I, I always tend to go pretty well there. I've won in Formula 4 there. I've won in Development Series. Believe it or not, even though it's probably the toughest track in Australia, it's probably the track I've done the most miles at, to be honest. So um, I get reasonably comfortable there pretty pretty quick. And, yeah, I've been lucky enough to have some really good teammates and ended up in some pretty good teams and always been uh, in competitive machinery. So, yeah, it's, it's hard to say why we sort of generally go so well there. But as you said, fourth a, a couple of times. And um, I, was, I was beginning to think that that was going to be the best result for a while. Yeah. It's it's interesting that you, you joined such a great team like Erebus and the guy I want to talk to you now on is Dave Reynolds. Dave's been on my show a few times. He actually texted me this morning and he wanted me to ask you to, on air, tell me your best one-liner one from The Simpsons. Best one-liner from The Simpsons? Yeah. Uh, I know a few. A few. He says you're um, killer. Yeah, I, I try to adapt them situations that arise that just remind me of the symptoms, I guess. So, um, uh, give, give, give me a bit of time to think about it as the show goes on. I'll, I'll <laughs> no worries. Well, what was it like driving with Dave? Because you've had some great other drivers that you've had, like I mentioned, Fabian Coulthard. You know, you've had the likes of Dean Canto, Russell Ingle, and Stephen Ellery in your time. What was what's different from what you had with those guys and now with with David? I think Dave—he's uh, just so relaxed. He's one of these guys that can, uh, you know, he's famously known for being a bit of a joker and a bit of a larrikin, and but he can switch off from that really quickly, you know. So he can, he can be joking around, jump in the car, and he's just uh, really professional. Obviously, does the job. Uh, there's not too many guys quicker than him for sure. So um, I think I don't know. I've just uh, sort of helped my driving as well. Probably made me a little bit more relaxed uh, leading into it. And, the help, helping with the car being so fast every time I've driven it has also made me a little bit more relaxed and uh, just something about the whole team that uh, is conducive to good performance and I think that's shown with Dave and I think that's shown with myself as well. Yeah, Luke, uh, Luke, Dave was, last time Dave came on, the biggest thing he said about all the success that they're having this year was the team culture in Erebus. Have you noticed that as well this year? Yeah, well, I can tell you it's a lot different from DJR Team Penske, that's for sure. So, uh, coming from last year, um, I think, yeah, so some of the bigger teams in particular, they've, uh, they have lots of pressure on them. They have big corporate responsibilities. They, uh, 
they, they can sometimes be a driver as just uh, you know a tool in the toolbox and they can just replace it at any stage and put a new one in and um, I think sometimes they forget the driver they're humans you know what I mean and, and um, some react to those sort of situations well some don't and I think myself and Dave react to maybe getting a bit of a uh, bit of love bit of confidence and um, I think that's what's different between this team we uh you make a mistake, you're not thrown under the coals, you, you, you move on and, and obviously analyse why you made the mistake and how you can not do it again and, and but, but press on, whereas the bigger teams, you tend to get thrown out the door. So, yeah. um, I, I think that's given me some confidence just to relax in the job a little bit and not be too scared to make a mistake, but obviously try and limit them. But again, I think when you're in that sort of mindset, you tend not to make mistakes. I think when you're, when you're you know, fighting if you put your career for example and not trying to make a mistake that's when you're making it so I think that's the difference and um Hopefully I can stay with this team for a little bit longer. Yeah, Luke, what did you guys do to celebrate? Because I know Dave loves drinking out of his shoe and doing all sorts of <laughs> wild things. What did you guys do? Well, coming onto the podium, I piggybacked him onto the podium. So that was, I, <laughs> that was actually my idea, to be honest. I had to keep up the zany, wacky Dave Reynolds style of things. And um, But mate, in terms of celebrating after that, like we haven't really done it yet. <laughs> the team... Uh, <laughs> We've been too busy. Like we didn't leave the track till about eleven o'clock that night wow. with all the media commitments, and we had to be up really early the next day for sunrise and today show crosses. And mate, it just hasn't stopped. So we literally haven't stopped for five minutes to, to even have a beer. So um, the team's going to have something on Sunday, and uh, hopefully we can get along with that and enjoy it. Yeah, fantastic. How do you yourself, when you're preparing for an enduro, Luke? What's just give us insights into maybe a bit of training or what you how you set up your maybe weeks leading into it what does that look like for you yeah this, this year has been a little bit different for me because Dave's uh, a fair bit shorter in my legs I've had to do a little bit of a little bit more physio work and, and a little bit more core strength work than what I normally would do so um, I've been really concentrating on trying to improve uh, some core muscles that I haven't really been working on during the year so that's been the main focus leading into especially Bathurst and, and the Gold Coast, uh, once once we knew that was going to be a problem. Um, so on the physical side, that's what I've been doing a lot. Uh, you know, we're lucky enough to have cool suits and bits and pieces, so that the heat tolerance work that I used to do probably 15 years ago, we don't have to do quite so much else. So I used to have to run in a, a race suit with, uh, with the beanie on and jacket on and get really accustomed to, to the heat. But, um, that's something that uh, the cool suits have helped us with a little bit lately. And in terms of the mental side, um, it's just looking at footage, trying to do laps in your head because um, you know we don't we don't get a lot of testing in these V8 supercars anymore. So we we sort of test at the racetrack and yeah, as a co-driver especially, you've got to test in your head a little bit. It sounds a bit weird. Yeah, that was a pretty testing uh, race on Sunday, mate. Like in terms of the weather conditions, just being all over the shop, was that kind of was that the most testing that you've had it you know you've been around for like 17 18 years now but was that the toughest yeah it's funny that's not my first one in 2000 was, was wet like that and um look i had zero experience in a v8 supercar and I, i'd probably have to say that that first one was the toughest one because uh yeah i had no idea what i was doing but uh, obviously 18 years later uh yeah with a little bit more experience there and and just adapt to those conditions and it was, it was still tough, don't get me wrong, but um, 
you know, the, the concentration level you need for uh, for seven odd hours there across the race is, is pretty huge and you, you just can't afford to make a mistake in the rain and you can't afford to switch off. Um, you know, in, in the dry, you can you can tend to switch off a little bit mentally down the straights and bits and pieces, but when you have these 650 horsepower on cars, wheel spinning yeah. in a straight line over humps at 250 k's an hour, you, you have to have your wits about you. So that so definitely takes its toll. And um, yeah, I've, uh, I, did, I did sort of half the race too as a co-driver, which you don't typically do, just the way it worked out with safety cars and bits and pieces. So did more laps than planned, and uh, yeah, the body's probably feeling a little bit more than what I expected. So. <laughs> When, anyway. when during the race, because you switched positions, obviously you were leading at the start and then you guys came back a little bit, then you're back on. You know, you kind of had different places during the actual event. When did you, in your own mind, know that you and Dave were going to take it out? Well, look, I, I try to keep my emotions in check because, you know, I've been there a long time and I know things can happen even on the last corner of the last lap. So, look, I... I I did have a, a sneaking suspicion that we'd probably take this out, especially, you know, the last couple of safety cars. I knew Dave could pull the gap pretty easily and he could do it comfortably. I knew the cars that were around us at the time uh, couldn't quite match our speed in the dry. So I figured if uh, we could stay in front and, and stay dry that we could do it. But uh, especially from that last safety car when, when Dave pulled that three-second gap, um, I, I knew we had it, but I didn't want to let my emotions out so uh, I just tried to stay calm and, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I had Betty, our team owner, she was shaking. I was holding her up. And, <laughs> you know, what so. When he crossed the line, did you guys just all start hugging and just kissing each other while it was happening? Yeah, the funny story, I, I actually jumped up on top of the, uh, you know, the, the pit. Well, the pit straight has new cages along the top of the pit wall now, and um, you're not really allowed to be on those, and... I just jumped up on it, mate, because I, I wanted to see Dave go past and the team yelling at me to get down because they didn't want any fines or anything bad to happen. So I jumped down and then all the TV cameras and Greg Murphy and the guys like, get back up there, mate. So I jumped back up there and Dave goes past, give a bit of a shake and then, yeah, obviously uh, we just all start hugging and kissing and that's the way it goes. <laughs> and uh, try, try, try and try and find Dave as quick as I could to jump on top of that roof. <laughs> well, Luke, I really appreciate you joining me today. Before I let you leave, I know social media people are going to be wanting to start following you. I've got Twitter, you're at Luke Yulden, and you've also got a Facebook page, Luke Yulden, as well. During the day, do, yep. do you do those V8, um, those things for people that want to learn, or well, just experience the V8? Is that what you do on the side as well? No, I do uh, driver training for Porsche, Porsche Sport Driving School, yep. and uh, also Audi Driving Experience. And we, uh, for those two two manufacturers, we have five levels all the way up to race car. So um, it just suits every skill level. And while I'm not doing that, I also write for uh, motoring.com.au. So they're uh, yeah, they're the editorial arm of car sales and do lots of car comparos and try to string a few words together and pretend I'm a bit of a journo. So. Um, <laughs> I'm a busy boy. Mate, busy boy. you're a very busy boy. Again, congratulations on being the 2017 Bathurst 1000 champion, mate. And all the best for the races to end the year, buddy. Ralph, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate Absolutely, it. man. Have a great weekend. And that, guys, was Luke Yulden. Be sure to follow him on his Twitter and his Facebook. I think he's him and they're going to set rations if you haven't net. Go back on either Fox Sports or YouTube. I'm sure there'll be a clip of them two celebrating. Great guys, great characters, and I'm really happy for Luke. 
All right, guys, third guest is a huge one, one of my childhood heroes on the line, Billy, off from Brisbane, where he's actually promoting, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the Steve Waugh Foundation Captain's Ride, which is in November. And Steve joins me now. Steve, how are you, how are you going, buddy? Tristan, yeah, good, thanks, mate. Yeah, busy day today, bud. Yeah, it's full on, mate, yeah. <laughs> good day. <laughs> I really appreciate you giving me a few minutes of your time, mate. Big fan from back in the day. Mate, let's get straight back into it. You know, we've got the captain's ride from the 4th of November to the 11th of November. Can you just tell us a little bit about the intention behind it all and what you're looking to achieve out of it all, mate? Yeah, look, the captain's ride is an initiative we started three years ago. It's a major fundraising event of the year, and it's, um, I guess it's a life experience for the 70 riders who go on it. It's, it's a huge challenge. It's over 800, 800 kilometres in six days riding with 10,500 metres of climbing. So people know the cycling, that's some pretty serious work they've got to do. Yeah, but sure. I wanted an event that was going to be a, a, um, a memorable experience for the riders. Um, one where they've got to commit to fundraising. They've each got to try and raise $10,000. I wanted to emulate the spirit and the attitude of the kids we support who do it tough each and every day. So the ride is tough physically and mentally. Um, to mirror what our kids go through each and every day. And I want it to be a leadership element. So we've got some great VIP riders who speak at night time. We've got you know, people of the calibre of Adam Goods and Mark Weber and got Olympians like Daly Thompson and Drew Jin and Shane Gould. And then we've got uh, you know, the amazing Cadell Evans and, and Richie Port. So we've got some you know, wow. fantastic VIPs who, who give leadership um, advice uh, during the ride. So it's, it's a whole encompassing week. Yeah, it sounds like an amazing team that you've set up there, Steve. With the foundation that you set up with your wife back in 2005, in terms of first coming across and being aware mm. of so many of these children suffering from these rare diseases, where did you first pick up that? Uh, look, it sort of happened a bit by accident. I, I've been doing my work in India. I wanted to start something in Australia, and I wanted to... Uh, the original concept was to help kids who had no else to turn, who had courage and character, who had overcome adversity. So we started getting supporting kids in the hospital system and my wife Lynette did all the research on these kids and we found out that most of them fitted into the category of having a rare disease and uh, that has now evolved to where we support kids with extremely rare conditions who have really no support groups or get no government funding and we are the only place they can turn to and we aim to stand beside them, give them a voice and and, and get them involved and, and I guess it's like a big family atmosphere. We know most of the kids and families over a long period of time and, and they can trust us and, and we can be there when they need us. Yeah, most definitely. So for donations, you head over to www.thestevewarfoundation.com.au. But Steve, in prep for this, because you did mention how tough it's going to be actually on the mm. ride, and I'm sure that yep. in preparation it was as well, it's not easy to ride a bike on the road, but then at the same time you're a professional athlete that used to get bold bounces by like guys like Kurtley Ambrose <laughs> and Courtney Walsh. Yeah. What's, what's yep. been more difficult? Oh, look, definitely this. I mean, in cricket I knew what I was doing. I mean... Uh, the first ride we set off two years ago from Sydney to Byron Bay, and I had like two, three months of riding under my belt, and it was nowhere near enough. And I was in, I was in continual pain for six days. And uh, look, well, one thing I say that, that's really helped me from my cricket playing days is, is that mental strength, because in bike riding you need that. You need to sort of know that you can go through the pain, you can keep going, because it's very easy to sort of quit in bike riding when you're hurting and think, I've had enough today. But I've learnt through cricket to keep going, and you need that resilience and persistence on a bike and um, yeah, you've got to train hard as well that's one thing I've, I guess I've taken from my sporting career is that once I commit to something I give it 100% I've done a lot of training for this ride I've had 9 days in the Italian Alps which uh, was nearly the end of me but 
gave me the leg strength. And um, so this time I have prepared well. I've been training four or five days a week. And, you know, it's a good thing as you get older to have some sort of goal to keep your fitness in check. So for me, I can't just go to a gym for with nothing at the end of it. I need to, to aim for something. And that's part of the reason why I set the ride up because, you know, people want to they want to achieve things. They want to take themselves out of the comfort zone. And, and this is a huge life challenge. Yeah, definitely. Steve, when you first retired, um, was it an, an issue in terms of a transition from being a competitive athlete your entire life to then trying to figure out what you wanted to do post-cricket? Yeah, not so much myself. I had the benefit of playing until I was 38, so I'd been involved in business before that, and I'd written probably a dozen books as well, and, and, um, and I started my charity life up, so I sort of was in transition anyway. Um, I think the big issue is for a lot of people that don't maybe don't plan or their careers are cut short through form or injury, and they're not ready for the next, next phase. I mean, I had three yeah. kids as well and family, so I was lucky enough that I was sort of already ready to go. Um, but you do need a challenge. I mean, I, I, I couldn't go from just playing for Australia to sitting on a beach and reading a book. I mean, I'm, I like to be busy and I like to take <laughs> challenges on. <laughs> Most definitely. Hey, Steve, you talked about mental strength before. One of the things I wanted to just quickly chat to you about, you know, the Australian cricket team right now just seems to be a lot of, you know, changes. There's a lot of new players in and out of the team mm. all the time. You know, early on in your career, you even went through the experience of having to be dropped and trying to work your way back into the team. What was, when you first got dropped, what was it that just helped you get back in and, you know, really just re- reflect and realise what you needed to do, take away to get to that mm. next level? Uh, probably some honest feedback. Uh, Bob Simpson was, was pretty blunt in what I had to do to get back and really that was to get better, uh, to change my technique a bit and to think a bit differently. So you need some honest advice first. Then it comes down to hard work. Are you prepared to do the hard work to make it back? Cause it's not easy to come back. Um, at the end of the day, oh, it was unfinished, unfinished business for myself. I knew I could be better. I knew I hadn't done myself justice, and at the end of the day, really, the answer's in the mirror. You've got to look, yourself, look at yourself and think, do I want to get back there? Can I improve? Um, do I want to do something a bit differently? And for me, the answer to all those was, yeah, I want to get back playing for Australia, and I've got to do the hard work to get there. So it was a bit of a wake-up call. Yeah. Steve, you're one of the greatest Australian captains of all time. When you took over the captaincy, your batting seemed to go from strength to mm. strength as well. Is, was leadership yeah. something that's always interested you? Uh, I think I was probably always a leader without even knowing. I think maybe the best leaders are the ones that don't try too hard to be leaders. Um, you know, I always found that when I was playing junior sport that people sort of gravitate towards what I was doing and follow sort of, you know, the example I set on the field. So, um, but having said that, you're never really sure you, you're made out to be a leader until you get that opportunity. And, um, you know, I had the, the luxury of being 33 before I became captain. So I knew my game well. I, I knew my myself pretty well and uh, there was less things to worry about so I could get out there and trust myself and back my instincts and um, yeah I just I guess the thing I learned was to do it my way not to follow someone else and that's the biggest mistake you can make as a leader is to try and do it because someone else has done it a certain way before you you've got to do it your way and that's why you've been put in charge yeah Steve what's your opinion on 2020 cricket I don't mind watching it when the good players are playing. I think it's not a very good game played at an average standard. Um, and it's really almost a different game to cricket. It's totally different to test cricket. Um, you, just, you definitely do need skill to do well, but there's more of a luck element involved in it. And uh, I don't think it's as satisfying for the players um, you know, to, to play, but obviously it's more satisfying financially. So there's, I can understand that, that it's commercially, it's, it's where it's at for players. I mean... 
players who are recently retired, like Shane Watson and those guys. It's almost like a superannuation fund. So it has a lot of benefits financially. I, I don't think it's as satisfying to play. But having said that, the crowds love it. The young generation really respond to it and sponsors and and uh, TV stations seem to like it as well. So there's a lot of positives to it. But at the end of the day, for me, Test cricket's still where it's at. Yeah. Do you think the emergence of 2020 and then plus the fact that we make so many changes to our team, you know, every time we've got a different series compared to when mm. you were in charge and when Ricky Ponting were in charge, like you had yeah. a core guy of 15 players pretty much that yeah. were going to make up the test team. Do you think that kind of devalues the baggy green now? Not so much the baggy green, but I think it, you lose the identity of the Australian side and it's hard for spectators to connect with the team when they're, they're not sure who's playing or the best team's not picked uh, because of the scheduling. So that's where there's a big difference. I think um, the fans could really connect with the teams I was captain because you pretty much knew who was playing in both forms of the game. You sort of got what you expect. But these days, you don't really know who's going to be picked for the Australian team in the 2020 game or the 50 over game. Test cricket, I still think um, it, it's pretty settled and uh, you, they're not giving away bad earrings. You've still got to earn it. But there's it, been a, a bit too much chopping and changing for my like. I think. You get the best out of players when there's a bit of security there. And this Ashes, whoever they pick at number six, I think they should say, well, you're in for five test matches. Yeah. We believe in you. And uh, you get more of a stable lineup, and, and then you get the consistency and confidence back. Yeah. All right, Steve, final question. Best thing I've ever seen on a cricket field is, mate, is at the SCG, you hit the four off Peter Such to bring up your 100 <laughs> at the SCG. One of the greatest things I've yeah. ever seen on a cricket field. Yep. When Peter came in to bowl the ball... So it's Richard Dawson. Better, better pull you up on that. It was Richard Dawson, yeah. Oh, was it Dawson? Sorry, I thought it was such yeah. a... No, it was year before. Year uh, before, sorry, Richard my Dawson, apologies. Yeah. Yep. So if, when Richard came in to bowl the ball, what were you, What was going on in your head? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Probably, the good thing I'd say that was it's not much because I said to myself, just clear your head and play the ball on its merits. Don't premeditate and don't try something... Uh, before the ball comes, before the ball was delivered to me, so the temptation was to get too carried away and too excited. So I tried to stay as calm as possible and to trust my natural instincts. And thankfully, through the quicker ball in, I just flicked my wrist at it and almost didn't feel it come off the bat. And it was uh, it was pretty. Uh, it was a weird moment because the volume had sort of been turned down on the crowd in my mind. And then as soon as I hit the four, it was like everything came back to life. And there was this enormous noise, and the crowd was going crazy. And <laughs> it was uh, it was an amazing experience for a couple of minutes out there. Oh, mate, it was the loudest cheer I think I've ever heard. Yeah, was, I've yeah. been to every NRL grand final, and yeah, it was something very, very unique. Yeah, no, right, Steve, look, I really pre- I often say, I often say, if I give someone two minutes of my career, I'd, I'd put them in that position because that was um, it was an incredible experience to have forty thousand people go berserk. 100%. Well, Steve, all the best for the captain's ride coming up in November. I'll have all those details yep. in the show notes and on the website. But anyone yep. that wants to get involved, Cheers. again, www.stevewarfoundation.com.au. Thanks a lot. Cheers, okay, Steve- And, guys, that was the legend, Steve War. What an honor for me to actually have him on talking with TK. So just an honor. I really want to give you the opportunity to speak to... Someone like Steve Waugh, you never say that. You never say no to them. So, guys, please support such a worthy cause, www.stevewarfoundation.com.au. You can also get a, a really Facebook link out there and just make it a little bit easier for their family. So that, again, www.stevewarfoundation.com.au. Or you can find out all the details in our show notes, 36. 
Guys, another bumper show next week. Sioni Falmuina, he's a former NRL star and New Zealand star. He'll be coming on to chat about his new venture where he's mentoring a lot of etc. There's also on the show we've got next week we've got Shane Flanagan and as the Cronulla Sharks head coach. So he'll be breaking down the season and what's ahead for the Sharkies in 2018 and also joined by UFC November. You know, if you listen to last week's episode, we've actually had a couple of changes. Alex Volkanovsky got a new opponent and then Mark Hunt's been scratched from the card, unfortunately. So the headline's actually gone, but, you know, hopefully Mark will get that sorted soon. And one of my favorite fighters and, you know, at his age at 42, I think he's still got a couple of good fights left in him. He's ranked number five at the moment. So let's hope that he gets back on track. Guys, if you love the episode, Talking With Tag me on it. That's also on Twitter, at Talking With DK. And Instagram, I'm at Tristan Nell. If you want to hit, hit me up directly, please send me an email, Tristan at Talking With DK. But until next week, guys, I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking With TK. Talking With TK.